Happy Monday, Liberty lovers. And before we get into today's wild and wacky show with the boys from Tasting Anarchy, I want to tell you about another libertarian podcaster, our friend Anthony Samaroff. He is not only the host of the Scottish Liberty podcast, he is also the host of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast. He's also written a book that I have read called How to Make Small Talk. And Anthony is a real expert when it comes to helping people learn how to overcome social anxieties, learn how to create and engage in small talk. And Anthony has a great offer for Lions of Liberty listeners right now. He is offering a free, that's right, completely free, no strings attached at all, one-hour coaching session on how to overcome social anxieties, how to create small talk, how to engage with complete strangers on a whim. And I can attest, even as someone who has been a podcast host for over six years, who has had to think on the fly and create conversations with guests I've never met before in my life, even I was able to take something away from uh, spending an hour with Anthony, although he did call me an advanced student. So uh, take that for what you will. But I highly recommend taking advantage of this offer. Uh, These are the kind of skills that can help you in every aspect of life. So please do reach out to Anthony if you're interested in this offer. You can email him at Anthony. That's not Anthony. Anthony, A-N-T-O-N-Y at BeYourselfAndLoveIt.com. You can also just direct message him on Facebook uh, or hit me up if you have trouble getting a hold of him. But he's pretty easy to reach. So please do reach out to Anthony Samaroff for a free coaching session. Just tell him Lions of Liberty sent you. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, I am here with a couple uh, podcast libertarian friends of mine. They are just like uh, just like many of my podcast friends. I only know them in internet life, but uh, hopefully if Childerberg still happens, uh, I'll meet you guys in real life. I'm here with Jacob, Lindsay, and Mason Joseph of Tasting Anarchy. Gentlemen, are you ready to roar? Yes. Excellent. <laughs> I thought you might because this is libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor, so I know you guys are boozing it up today, too. So before yeah. we dive into your background, talk about your podcast a little bit, the most important question after, of course, establishing that you are indeed ready to roar is what are you guys drinking? Jake, we'll start with you. What are you drinking out there? You're in uh, Austin, Texas, I believe. No, no, no. I'm uh, outside of Dallas, or Arlington, Texas. So. Ah, whatever. Yeah. So yeah it close, starts with an A, okay? Yeah, yeah, close enough. And it's Texas. It's only four hours away. That's pretty close. So, uh so th- this week I'm I'm drinking um, Bolin Vineyards 2017 Merlot. It's from Texas High Plains. It's a Texas wine. For people who didn't know, Texas does make wine. They make good wine. Uh, this is a vineyard that I've harvested at, and um, I know the grower is Rowdy Bolin, and he sent this to me, and it's very good. Something that's kind of different about Merlots from Texas is they, they tend to brick them for a long time, so they're very high alcohol. This is uh, 14.82% alcohol by volume, which is high for a Merlot. And, um, it's good. Uh, it's very, it's very, uh, Texas Merlot. It's very jammy, very fruity. Uh, it's got a lot of tannins, uh, which is a little bit unusual for a Merlot. Merlots are usually a little more subdued. If, uh, you were to like compare this to like a California Cab Sauv, that's probably more along the lines of what it's like, um, than like a California Merlot or a Merlot from France or something like that. So it's, it's very bold. Yeah, and, and you guys are definitely going to be giving the most detailed answers to the question of what are you drinking that we that we ever got on the show, <laughs> largely due to your background and what you guys do. But uh, Mason, what about you? What are you drinking over there? 
So you're I in have, Virginia, I believe. Yes, I'm in Virginia in a Tidewater area of Virginia, or Norfolk, if you like. So I've got Altamarfa's 2019 Rosé of Tempranillo. Um, it's also called Laser Cat, and I wish I had a camera, but uh, it's got this cool cat laser, laser cat. blasting. Uh, a glass of wine. So this is actually from Texas Hill Country. Um, no, uh, well, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. The, no, uh, it's on the back. It's Texas Hill Country. Yeah, that's where, the, that's where. Yeah, yeah, that's where the grapes are sourced. Uh, I'm sorry. Go. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm interrupting you. Continue. Uh, no, no, no. It's funny because it's no, uh, the nature of these shows are interrupt each other. That's what exactly. We do. Yeah, so, on, on but what's funny is on the back it's uh, Mason Wine Growers LLC, Mason, Texas. I did not know this. Ah. Um, so this is a. Uh, Rosé, which is very popular right now, but it's of a unique uh, varietal because it's a Tempranillo. So, like, this is I the first time Tempranillo rosés were even a thing. That yeah, neither did I until Jacob said he mm-hmm. acquired some of this from our friend Ricky. Um, so then we ended up getting this. Um, Jacob, have you had any of this yet? No, not yet. I, I've been okay. save, I've been saving it. So it's like. Like I've got it super chilled. It was actually almost kind of frozen because like I put it in the freezer as soon as I got home because I had had it like too warm and rosé. Okay. Like I like it a little more chilled. Yeah. Um, but it is like very tart, almost sour, but in like the perfect way. So it's like a sour beer rosé tempranillo. So interesting. Um, it's ten point four alcohol by volume. Um, I have the seventy eighth of one hundred and fourteen bottles according yep. to the front um, yeah so like the label's like all hand drawn it's it's awesome so yeah. so uh, ricky Jacob's, yeah jacob is actually knows ricky too so. yeah yeah so ricky he's he's starting a new vineyard out near marfa texas which is out in the middle of nowhere and i helped him plant his vineyard but these grapes are sourced from hill country um so his his company's alta marfa and that's where uh that's near where that's like the only town near where his vineyard is and um pretty cool it's it's just out in the middle of nowhere but he's, he's an awesome spot. dude what's that ufo hotspot that's right dude, now yeah i'm intrigued now i'm intrigued yeah it is a ufo hotspot i didn't see any while i was out there i did see border control bl- blimps which i thought was interesting i never knew that those existed could that be what is responsible for, for some of the ufo sites <laughs> possibly <laughs> is it a saucer shaped blimp i was, well, was gonna say because it's it's out by the Chihuahua Desert, so there might be just some really messed up people. Yeah, there, there's, there's, <laughs> that's right. There's something called like the Marfa lights out there, or something where you can go mm-hmm. out there and you can just see these crazy lights in the sky yeah. at night. And I didn't see them, but um, you know, I, I'm going to be back out there again if you know if all things goes planned again uh, at the end of next month to plant the next batch of vines. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a great guy. He's, he's a young guy. I think he's in his late twenties. Um, he's from. I think he's from the, the, yeah, well, he lives in Houston now, but I think yeah, he's no, from yeah, the Bay Area. Yeah, I actually think he is from the Bay Area, if I remember yeah. correctly. And uh, real nice guy. Uh, we're going to have him on the show again to talk about Laser Cat, which is his very first, uh, he's made wines for himself, but this is his very first commercial wine. So very limited. Uh, and yeah. yet, like, you no, know, so Rose of Tempranillo is a very unusual rose. I, I'm, I'm sure other people have done it, but he did it. Uh, and Rose. To make a rosé, it's not a particular grape. It's a technique that you use to make a rosé wine. And um, so white wines are taken off the skins and vine, and that's how you get a white wine. Red wines are on the skin and vine, uh, and that's how you get a red wine, because it and then it imparts all the flavors from the skins and vine. And then a rosé is starts out on the skin and vine, and then you pull it off. And a lot of times, this is what usually they'll do is to make a uh, stronger, more concentrated red wine, they'll pull a little bit off, make a rosé out of it, and then they'll leave the rest to concentrate the rest of the skin and vine 
uh, flavors into it. So it makes it more aggressive and bold. And then what you got on the side is a rosé. Now, I think that Ricky just made a rosé. So it's just, they just started the fermentation pooled. I think it's called must. They pulled all the skin mm-hmm. and, and vines off and then discarded that, I guess. And um, learning so much from you yeah, guys about wine yeah. already. This is, this is already the most educational show episode of Lions of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when it comes to wine, you guys yeah, have yeah. some pretty educational comes, episodes. I guess we That's do. True. I guess we do. I, I, I like the I was most say, You guys work. have had Walter Block on, right? So, That's you know, true. I bet you guys know more about wine than him, though. He doesn't well, drink, so that, yeah. that dashed one of our greatest yeah. hopes. I know. He was a teetotaler. <laughs> I was so upset. It's always so sad when you reach out, when you find out one of your heroes doesn't drink, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys actually email him to get, to get him on the show? And then he just said, I don't no, drink. He, on Walter Block week on Tom Woods, um, Tom ah. was talking about like having a drink with him or something like that. The next mm. time they saw him was, you know, just kind of, Hey, I'm so glad to see you sort of thing. And he goes, Oh, wait, wait, yeah, you don't drink. Uh-huh. And so. Uh, I bet he Tom, your but show Tom anyway. Woods does. Yeah, yeah. He probably would. He probably would. I actually, we, we reached out to Bob Murphy once and he was too he busy. <laughs> yeah, he does. But he also, uh, I was, I was asking him about trade policy when it comes to wine. And he's like, I don't really know anything about that. And I was like, I don't really care specifically about like, wine. Come I just, on, you're I, smart. You can, you, you can yeah. probably say something. Yeah. We don't care. Right. I just trade policy. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, about. Like, <laughs> look, we're, we're giving you a unique angle to talk to something about like, and that's the, I think now that Bob has a show and he's got to produce so much more content. Yeah. I think he kind of, I think he'll get that more for requests for shows like ours where it's like, yeah, we know you, you're not a wine expert we'll bring the wine expertise. We just want to know trade policy. <laughs> hey, I was on your show and I, I know nothing about wine except that I like to drink it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That, 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 well, speaking that, of which, that brings me to uh, my, my drink here. I actually, we have a little bit of a theme cause I have a, a cat on my bottle too. It's not a oh, laser yeah. cat. Sadly, this is a, a Gato Negro. It's a cab cab Sav, as you say in the shorthand mm-hmm. of the biz yeah. from, from San Pedro, Chile. Oh, nice. So, I love, I love Chilean wines. 13% by volume. Can't go wrong with like the the Chilean wines, Argentinian wines. They're always mm-hmm. super cheap, especially man. I spent about a month in Argentina uh, yeah. a few years ago. You you go to the store and you're getting really decent wines for you know, two, three bucks. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Chile Chile's weird because they still haven't figured out how to price their wine yet, and you can get bottles that are like the equivalent of like a fifty dollar bottle for like fifteen bucks here. It's crazy. Yeah, I will gladly admit this was like a nine dollar bottle of wine, and it's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I typically don't spend more than nine or ten dollars on wine unless it's a, a real occasion because I find, from my taste point of view, I can't really tell the difference from like a nine dollar bottle or an eighteen dollar bottle. I can tell the difference between a nine and maybe a hundred dollar wine. Then I might tell a difference. But well, it's, when it's when we're talking about these these small price ranges, to me, it's all the same. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like what you'll see a lot of times with like the difference between at least in my opinion an eight and a not an eight and an eighteen is consistency in the vintage. Whereas like a lot of times, like eight, it's like, you don't know what you're getting. 18, yeah. it's kind of like a commercial price. So it's like, oh, this has got to be somewhat consistent. So you'll kind of get like a more consistent product. But then it's funny because it'll turn around. Like when you get in those higher prices, you'll get like just super exotic stuff where it's like, yeah, we did this one year. Um, we'll never do it again. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry, here you go. thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, you get like, there's up in, in Napa, there's this company called like Thunder, not Thunderbird. That's a hobo wine. It's called like, uh, <laughs> it, it has something to do with a bird. I don't remember what mm-hmm. it is, but like they, those wines retail for like a thousand dollars a bottle. And I don't know why I've never had one. Of course, <laughs> I think, I think Mason, you and I had the most expensive bottle I ever had, which was 200. And yeah. uh, that was actually very good. But, I, but the thing is, is like 
for for me you can have like pina pina which was uh one that mason and i had that we refer to a lot as a cap sob it's very good as a hundred dollars but you can get like for cab sobs, like my favorite cab sobs are from Oakville and Napa and a $50 Oakville like Groth or something like that. And a $200 Oakville are a lot of times not that different. And it may be because my palate's not refined enough, but like, you know, you're going to be hard pressed to find something from Oakville. That's, that's less than $50. You can find it, but it, it's not as much, but um, it's, it's to me, it's not necessarily price point. It's like where it's from. That's where you get, where you start getting these kind of more specific flavors and stuff. Whereas when you go for something that's usually like less expensive, like under sub $10, then it's not necessarily from a specific place. It's from California, which is a freaking huge state. So, you know, where, yeah. where is that coming from? Well, it's a little from Lodi, a little bit from, you know, Sonoma, a little bit from here, a little bit from there. And then, that, and then you get a kind of a blended and they, and what they're doing is they're blending for consistency year to year. Yeah. And so you get something that's a, a, a consistent product. What advice would you guys have for uh, wine newbies or, or people that are sort of like me that like basically know nothing about wine? Like I know that a, a cab is different than a Merlot or whatever, but I can't really tell you too much more more than that. And I couldn't even really tell you what the, what the difference really is. What, what advice would you give to someone who's, I don't know, maybe they're just diving into the dating world for the first time. Um, that's maybe, maybe nobody is right now. I don't know if dating is legal in, in a lot of States right now, with coronavirus. <laughs> right. Um, but maybe, maybe they're just saying, okay, I got to get a bottle of wine for tonight. Uh, I want to kind of impress this chick. I want to have something good, but I don't want to break the bank. So what would your advice yeah. be to someone like that going to the store who doesn't really know what the hell they're doing? Well, the, the first thing is always, and this is kind of something that Jacob and I definitely skew against. And this is just us. Generally you're planning a meal. So what are you going to be serving? Are you going to be serving like poultry and fish with like a light sauce? So maybe you want a white or are you doing like a steak kind of like going all out or like a, definitely a red meat. So maybe you want more of a red. So what if it's just Netflix and chill? <laughs> <laughs> what, goes, what goes best with Netflix? Yeah. Thunderbird. Mad <laughs> <laughs> dog 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. So um, from that, that standpoint, like it really, you know, what I usually always say is like, if you go in there if you're buying something that's on sale and it's normally $40 and you know it's normally $40 and it's discounted down, yeah, you can generally pick up a pretty good deal and do pretty well and you don't have to admit it was on sale. But like it really kind of depends on your palate. Like do you like something that's drier, like more acidic? Do you want something that's sweeter? So like if you like a sweeter wine, you're generally going to be looking at whites in general, I mean, there are definitely non-sweet whites, but yeah. whites generally are the more sweeter wines or like a, some rosés and then like... The ladies always love the rosés. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, a lot of people do because, and that, that's actually kind of how I would recommend it is um, get something that's easy to drink and rosés where, where you can get a dry rosé, dry means that it has very low sugar in it. Uh, it does, it's reminiscent of sweetness because it has a lot of fruit flavors in it. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, s saying whatever the ladies like, uh, typically speaking, women have a sweeter palate than men and uh, would prefer something with more fruit forward flavors. And so a rosé is, is a good pick. Uh, if you're if you, you happen to know their taste or whatever, they like pear or cider or something like that, you go with uh, one of the dry whites and um, it, it's, you know, that's great pool drinking or something like that. So to start out, what what I, I would say like to kind of like step back and, and not even talk about the occasions or anything like that is if you're trying to get into the wine world, you're not just picking up a bottle of wine to have that night is to go with single varietals first. 
and kind of establish what those are. You can get really good single varietals uh, and a varietal is a type of grape. So like Cabernet Sauvignon is a type of grape. Merlot is a type of grape. Um, but then you get things like uh, Bordeaux. That's not a type of grape. That's a, that's a region, but wine is called Bordeaux because mm-hmm. it's from that region. But in the new world, the United States and South America and Australia and stuff, basically anywhere, not Europe, um, they don't name wines by the grape. They name them by the region in Europe and out of Europe, they name them by the grape or they'll say red blend. If it's a blend. Or they'll give it fun names like laser cat. Yeah. Laser cat. Exactly. And then it'll say it down. So, so if you're trying to get into the world, um, then that's kind of where you start is, is start figuring out your, and the thing is too, is don't just try one, get one. If you don't like it, that's fine. Don't write it off immediately. Like that's kind of what I did at first. At first I thought I, well, at first, at first, I thought I only liked blackberry wine. <laughs> nauseatingly sweet. Yeah, it, it is incredibly sweet, and and it, but it tasted kind of like juice. So I was like, oh, this is good. But I had, all the wine I had had prior, I didn't like it. And then it seems like I it tastes like the, uh, the the fake wine that they give you at uh, bar mitzvahs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It, it's it's basically that. It's 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 like bar mitzvah wine, but it's like for kids. So, but it does yeah. have alcohol. So, like that's a good place to start, actually. But then. Um, if you're if you are going to look for things to pair, then there's a rule of thumb is what grows together goes together. So if you're going to have an Italian meal, look for an Italian wine that is from that area. And then there's general rules of thumb, like Mason was saying, fish and and poultry goes well with white wine typically, unless it's duck, then it's it's fatty and you yeah, want it's it very fatty wine, wine. Uh, acidic wine. Yeah, but then. Uh, I really should have eaten before this show because every time you mentioned food, I'm, 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 like, I'm craving, why am I craving duck right now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and that so that's kind of like there's like general rules of thumbs that that help you out, but for the most part, I would say go with single varietals first. Cab the, the standards: Cab Merlot, uh, Zinfandel in America. You know, Zinfandel can be very inexpensive and it's and it's very good and it's very fruity. Um, yeah, white definitely Zinfandel, get a Lodi Zin. Yeah, Lodi Zins are great. Um, White Zinfandel, which is actually more along the lines of a rosé. If you have somebody uh, that you're drinking with that has a sweeter palate, that's very easy, very accessible wine. A lot of people fall in love with wine through White Zinfandel or or rosés. And um, so that's just kind of general, I guess, rules for people who are, who want to get into it. Yeah. So, so really, people should go listen to Tasting Anarchy. Yeah. If yeah. Wanna, if they want to do an <laughs> well, deeper dive. Exactly. And and that's the thing is like Jacob and I spent like the first part of the show, like he was just buying cab sob after cab sob. And I would just be like, all right, this week, uh, for the next four weeks, we're doing Pinot Grigio. Let's see what this is like. And then mm-hmm. get one from like New Zealand, get one from Chile, get one from the new world. And they're like, these all taste the same. And now if we go back, we're all like, these are all completely different. Yeah, <laughs> what were yeah we it is. It, it Over time, your palate kind of refines a little bit. And I think, um, especially for me, because like my price point changed when I moved. And so I do tend to drink things that are a little bit more expensive now. And that is, I still like cheap wine. Like I still get, I still sometimes get the three, $3 and 50 cent wine at Lidl or at a, not Lidl. It's Aldi here. Um, but like, and, and that's good. That's good for getting sloshed or whatever. But if you're, if you're looking for something that's a little bit nicer and a little bit more refined, I, you know, you there's there's a wide range of price points, and um, at this point, I'm I'm probably the over thirty dollar price point when I actually want to drink something that I want to enjoy, and I'm just like cheap as crap. <laughs> yeah, 
How did you guys get started with all this? Uh, I mean, you guys are, are BFFs. Uh, BFFs. You, you live mm-hmm. in different states. I imagine at some point you lived in the same state. But how did you guys meet? How did you guys uh, develop your mutual affection for both libertarianism and wine? How did this all come together? Mason, can I can I tell the a story of our first meeting real quick? Yes. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. Let me, <laughs> let, me pour, let me fill my glass first. It sounds like it's going to be a romantic one. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, well, it is. It is. Well, so Mason and I were both just out of high school, maybe maybe a year or two out. You, you, I think Mason, you just come back from college and started. Yeah, going we were. We, I was in my third year of college. Now Jacob and I are like three months apart in age, but Jacob yeah, but, was one year behind me in school. So right, this was after your sophomore year of college, and then it would have been after my junior year when I transferred back from North Carolina, NC State. Yeah, um, and started going to the local community college. Right. So so he and I were both like kind of at a loss for finding friends. Like all my friends had moved away. And this was the year Bob Barr was running for president. I think, I think actually it was still a couple months before that, but yeah. um, I was starting, I was actually, I had, I had had this like crazy falling out in high school with the young Republicans. I used to run the young Republicans in high school. And then I had this falling out over the Iraq war because like I was told it was going to be over in like three months. And then it ended up being my entire high school life. And I was like, this is, they lied. Like, this is not what it was. And so I had a kind of a falling out. So I was like, I'm going to go start my own thing called Yak, Young American Conservatives. And I did. And it was just all the young Republicans. <laughs> and then after that, so anybody, anyways, everybody all moved away. And I, and like, I was kind of exploring stuff, trying to look for like, mostly I wanted what I thought conservatives were, but also anti-war. And anti this war in particular, I, I, I hadn't kind of gone to like the peace route yet or anything, right. but um, the Iraq war was just so obviously bullshit that I think a yeah. lot of people that even might have been like, like, well, OK, this war might be justified. That war might be justified because we need to defend ourselves. That one was just so obviously unjustified and such an obvious disaster that I think it did wake a lot of people up into what might eventually become a more complete anti-war position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's kind of where I was like, I, I realized that. And, and also the, the it was part of it was very personal for me as well, because my dad was gone in, in Iraq for almost my entire high school career in Iraq and Afghanistan. So um and so, like, I didn't see my dad for, like, some of the most important time of my growing up. Like, I, I needed my dad, and he was off fighting some bullshit war that, you know, he I didn't think he should have been doing. But, um, you know, not, not, not to knock my dad or anything. It was, you know, that's just what he did. But uh, anyway, so then I found the Libertarians, and I was like, I'm going to go kind of see what this is all about. And I remember coming in, it was, it was at a bar, uh, Kelly's Tavern. It's like a, a brute, like a, what do you, what would you call it, Mason? It's like a restaurant, like a, it's, it's like a local Applebee's, but like with a, a Irish flair. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, not, not anything special, but they were having a libertarian meetings there. And I remember coming in, I think I was like the third person there. And, uh, Jessica, who's actually now on city council in Virginia beach, uh, introduced me to Mason. She said, she said, Oh, Hey, nice to meet you or whatever. This is Mason. He's our local drug expert resident. Uh, resident drug expert. That's right. So, and I remember, and, and our first conversation was about drugs. And I remember like me going like, well, maybe I can get on board with like legalizing steroids, but marijuana, that's crazy. <laughs> steroids was your go-to. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Mason, man, Mason's going, I think they should put LSD in the drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> that now was talking. That yeah. was our, our introduction. So we just, I don't know, we just hit it off. We just kept 
going to those meetings and we're friends. And we, I we became kept being the ones who showed up. That was the big true. thing. And like the, the big thing about Jacob is like Jacob's six, six and I'm nowhere near that tall, but like for the longest time I just had super long, like bushy hair and was incredibly loud. So like you have the physically the most dominating person in the room. Cause he's like six, six. And then like, I'm just louder than everybody. So it's just yeah. him and I getting like hammered and talking to each other about comics and zombies and like libertarianism and, and going from there. And like, I had like gone to school at NC state, like for nuclear engineering. And then just got to the point where like, I couldn't do the math anymore. And there was no way I was going to figure it out. Like the teacher literally was like, yeah, we're six math classes ahead of where you should be. If you were in a math program and most of you in math wouldn't actually take this subject, but like I had to take it. And I was like, uh, what? Way to motivate me before I dive into this math bullshit. Yeah. And so I was working for the school. So I guess I technically worked for the state for a while and like in their IT department for like the students, like student help and like classroom support. Um, And everybody around me started like kind of pulling for Obama. And then like it was John McCain and Obama. And I was like, I'm going to find something else. (laughs) And then like, there were two people who were in this class that I was taking, like when I transferred to local community college and they were like, Oh yeah, like blah, blah, blah. And they would make fun of like everything the teacher said that had any political reference. And it was like all from a libertarian slant. So this was this guy, Mike Lowry that we knew. And then um, this other guy who ended up never like came to one meeting one time. And then in the other class, somebody else invited me to the young libertarians of Tidewater uh, events, I showed up and I invited the guy, Mike Lowry, and he like had co-founded it and he just hadn't been showing up because he had been working or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, and then like Jake started showing up and then like, I met my wife there. Like, you know, wow. this became like a big thing for us. So yeah. And then and Jake and we ended had, up being yeah. like the president and like I was yep. the treasurer and I embezzled all the money because that was LSD, just fun. Putting LSD in the water. Yeah. yeah. It was along those lines. <laughs> I think, I mean, we end up, I think we end up just because for a while, like, so it's always the elections is when people showed up. So the the first one was Bob Barr and I actually was a big Bob Barr supporter at the time. And he, he really, it's weird to say this because, you know, we, we make fun of people who came on because of Gary Johnson, but like, I'm a hardcore, you know, Rothbardian anarchist now. And, but back then Bob Barr really appealed to me. He was, he was palatable. And, um, and, that, and that's an uh, argument that uh, that Walter Block has made uh, several times. I actually saw him make this argument. It was at the uh, the Mises bash at the LNC theater year. This is what his subject of his speech was. He was basically saying it's better to always have a libertarian candidate, as in that meaning someone with an L next to them, even if they're not libertarian, even if they're terrible on many issues, even if they're only good on maybe one or two things, even if they're not, because mm-hmm. just having the word out there um, in the presidential election – gets more people hearing the word, even if they might get an initial impression that isn't exactly what you and I might want it to be, mm-hmm. or even yeah. close, it still can get people in the door. And then at that point, it's the job of us, the pe- the real philosoph- philosophers, the people that are really hardcore on the ideology to, to kind of teach people and say, yeah. okay, well, this guy is the guy that you saw, but yeah, he, and we agree with him on this thing that he said and this thing that he said, but here's where we don't really agree. And then kind of bring them down that rabbit hole further, as opposed yeah. to, um, you know, many people would say you'd have to have the most pure libertarian candidate because he has to be, you know, giving all the right positions all the right time so people don't get the wrong idea i don't know where i fall on it to be honest because i think 
people like I had. I mean, you you yourself said you kind of got into this during the Bob Barr times. I've heard other people who are have become amazing libertarians who did get into it due to Gary Johnson. And all yeah. it was was it wasn't Gary Johnson per se. It wasn't Bob Barr per se. It was just a human being with a different word saying option. slightly different yeah. things, and then yeah. that kind of leads you down the path of le- of at least realizing there's another thing. You know, yeah. regardless well, of whether that, that person is representing it fully. I I think the biggest issue that we have to look out for is not having situations where people like Mary Brewert, who would have been an amazing actual candidate and like a, just a, like would have probably pulled so many more people to the party had she been allowed to run, not allowing electoral politics poison those people's runs. It's kind of yeah. like, uh, well, and that, and that was that, that particular election with Bob Barr, like Wade Allen root. And this is like old school in, in like, uh, like inside baseball or whatever, but Wade Allen Root and Bob Barr really railroaded Mary Ruard on that. And she's my, and like, she's actually the, the one who kind of made me an anarchist is reading her, her book, Healing Our World. Yeah. Because I also found her incredibly palatable too, because a yeah. uh, great book. And also she's like- the first person I would send to anyone that comes from the perspective of like, you know, the left or progressiveness yeah. or caring mm-hmm. for the poor. I mean, she's so good at communicating ideas in a way. I mean, you can never mm-hmm. read her writing and think what a heartless bitch. I mean, you yeah, know, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. She, she comes across so amazingly and she's, I mean, she's been amazing. She's been on this show. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've bought, I've bought probably 50 copies of healing our world over the last several years and given them out to people, because I do think that, especially for, for people who are uh, like religion in my religious perspective, uh, this is something that appeals to them a lot as well. Cause it is a lot of uh, it's, it's very, it's very in line with like a lot of, I, I'm a Quaker for anybody who doesn't know. So like for, for a lot of Quakers, they tend to be very left leaning and it's a book that is about helping people. And that is the like key component of Quaker like belief or whatever is, is that they do really care about people, like legitimately care about helping people, which is refreshing. And, uh, and, but they, a lot of times want to go about it in a, in a way that is on its surface looks like it's helping, but it's not like it's, it's, you know, things like it's things like supporting Obamacare or whatever like that, where like, you know, on its surface, sure. That, that seems like it's going to help a lot of people. And I'm sure it helps somebody, but ultimately there's a lot more damage that's done and you take away Liberty as a result. And, and that is not helpful as well. So like that, that I I've given away that books to so many people and a lot of people who have read it and been like, wow, I actually, I thought, you know, what, like you were saying, I thought libertarians were heartless assholes or heartless bitches, you know, and they read this or like, or even like Harry Brown, like they read that kind of stuff and they're like, wow, this is not what I, this is not what I thought at all. Right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the thing that kind of makes Jacob and I laugh all the time is, you know, we, here we are, like we both were pretty big Bob Barr supporters. And then like, you know, we had people who were like, Oh, what about this Ron Paul guy? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up about the Republican. (laughs) And and now have both kind of been like, you know, I wish we had really kind of been paying attention to what he had actually been saying instead of like, and because for both of us, and this is kind of like that, you know, thing Walter Block was saying about like having the L and the L is important. Like we both were like, no, he's got the R and there's you were no actually way trapped he, in the team mentality yourselves. In a, in well, a sense. well, I, we, I think, I think both of us, well, I don't know about Mason so much, but I was like super butt hurt about the Republicans. Like I had, I had not been treated very well when I ran the young Republicans in, high school and I had not been treated well this was actually in the 2012 election I had been just totally like railroaded by the uh young republicans in in uh in Norfolk because like Mary Ruar they railroaded you yeah yeah I mean yeah we I I got 
I had I had much butthurt from the Republicans. I had felt I felt like I had personally been betrayed multiple times by people that I knew and thought were my friends. Yeah, and that was the thing is I think like one of the things that Jacob and I talked about many times is we still were under the impression that like Ron Paul stood a chance of getting the nomination. Not like like hey, he's doing this, he's sacrificing this so much of his life for the message and the cause which we got behind later and we understood we were still thinking from an electoral politics standpoint of no, he's running. And if he gets it, he's going to have to play ball with people like Romney. He's not a Trump where it's like, no, I can just literally evict you from the party. I control the rules now. Like it doesn't matter. Like he's not that guy. So like to us, it was like, well, they're going to wrap him around his finger and he's not going to get us out of the wars and not, Hey, it's the message of we shouldn't have been in the wars in the first place. We're like both of us were far enough down the rabbit hole to be like, yeah, we shouldn't be there. What's the point? Like, go with the guy who's like talking about doing the other stuff. And now you look back and you look at what Bob Barr was saying. You're kind of like, I guess we should have really been paying more attention. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah, for me, I was I was into this stuff before even before that 2008 run and uh, but Ron Paul was one of the reasons I got into it even before he ran for office uh Howie who you guys know from the show he he you know, turned me on to his writing back like eight eight years or so before he even ran for president so I was really into well, him ran because, for president the next time because he ran yeah not not the 88 <laughs> yeah. time right I mean yeah the, the time we all know about in like 2008 um but yeah I mean for me it was like a revelation because I really paid little attention to the, to the Libertarian Party. I voted for Michael Badnarik in 2004, but it was really more of just, here's these other guys. I know that I generally believe this philosophy, but I don't know much about the party, but I'm voting for this guy over these over John Kerry and, and yeah, George yeah, yeah. Bush. Yeah. No question about it. But I knew nothing about the guy. I knew nothing about the inner party politics or anything like that. But for me, Ron Paul running was like, amazing because i had already been following his writing just as a guy like not even thinking about the political side of it as much as just his, his philosophical side of things so then to see him running for president i was like well this isn't gonna go anywhere but but, but cool i mean this is awesome i'll, I'll yeah. pay attention and it went so much farther than i ever imagined yeah. i, I yeah. thought he yeah. would be truly ignored and he was truly ignored um in the sense of the mainstream media but i, I never imagined the brush fire that would be lit by him uh, i mean I, I was part of it he got me fired up to seeing him on tv seeing him get bashed by moderators i mean it really made exposed the system to me exposed that yeah. you know, everyone up there was just laughing and mocking him including the moderators themselves and you're like okay these are the guys that are supposed to be presenting the journalistic you know non-biased view of things and they're clearly in the bag against this guy so something yeah. is amiss here and, and, I, and, and I, I just got really inspired by seeing him never ever back down even when he was asked to apologize even when he was asked do you really think we should legalize heroin he'd be like what are you all going to do heroin now if we don't yeah. you know if we yeah. legalize it I mean he just had a way to uh, and I always knew like okay this guy's not going to be the president but I realized at some point that not only was he just exciting me, uh, he was exciting other people too. And I think there's, there's yeah. something to be said, like the most important thing in inspiring people is exciting them, like get people excited yeah. about ideas and then you'll see them working for them. And I think he got so many people working for the ideas on top of just inspiring them. I mean, he led directly, I'd say, to the creation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. And I guess, uh, you know, by, uh, by, dis by uh, you know. In, in some ways, as a maybe a grandchild, you might consider your podcast yeah. in, in a sense no, exa of the way. Exactly. Get into that. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, because your show, your show kind of, I mean, I had been doing other podcasts, but not political podcasts prior to uh, Tasting Anarchy. And, but like hearing Lions of Liberty in the infancy of like libertarian um, podcasting, 
going like, well, these guys are just normal guys. Like they can do a podcast. Uh, and, and that's kind of where, and Mason these guys and, aren't that smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like it, it wasn't like it was, you know, you guys started around the same time as Tom Woods and Tom Woods is a yeah. PhD. And One he, month before Tom Woods, I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of the market and we're going to be the libertarian podcast. I'm going to do interviews every week. No one else is going to do that. And then Tom Woods shows up. Yeah. Five days. Five days okay. right. <laughs> all right, well, maybe there's some competition here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that was, that was kind of the thing is like, uh, is, you know, Tom Woods is, is great and all that sort of stuff, but it's a little bit intimidating because he is a, he is a, a PhD and a very smart guy and, and has the connections and that sort of stuff. And then often has your, PhDs on it, Yeah, exactly. Not, he's not yeah, right, talking right, right. to, you know, Joe Blow, like beats and not that you guys necessarily do this, but, you know, having us on and having, you know, like guys like Howie and, and like having these right. other people on where it's like, Okay, you're not going like, oh, and Walter Block's back for his 15th appearance, and today we're <laughs> discussing the esoteric rise of Trump trade policy on, <laughs> you know, like, that's the, and that's the thing. It's so, like, I, one of the things I wanted to mention is like, right, I like think, for nerds like us, that content might be really yeah, good at sometimes, yeah, but I, exactly. can't send that to, I can't send that to all my friends and say, yeah, you know, listen to this it, nerdy shit. <laughs> it, and that's the thing is like, one of the things I think that we don't quite put together a lot of times is I think Trump studied how Ron Paul presented himself in the debates of just going, if I just don't back down at all, like I don't give any ground, they're going to try to bury me, but I have the money to just keep showing up. Right. So like, I think like he took a huge amount of his stuff from that run and just He's being like, like, he was like, they Ron don't Paul, know how to deal with this. Yeah. He was like Ron Paul without the, the solid principles, but with way more money. I mean, imagine yeah. if Ron and, Paul had money, like a lot and, of it. <laughs> and like, yeah. I, like this is the thing is like, I think he also has like, like the chutzpah to be like, sure, yeah. I don't care what you think mm -hmm. because I'm yeah. richer than you are, right. and that's all that matters. And it's like, okay, yeah, you have the microphone. And then like Michael Bloomberg got up there and he's like, I've got more money than you, and he's like, but you don't have the balls to talk about it like I do. <laughs> I, I think true. that is the big difference. I mean, people talk about money and politics all the time, and of course, money influences politics. But when we're talking about persuasion. <laughs> persuasion game like you can't really put a price tag on that and yeah trump had his own money but he spent way less than hillary clinton did and it mm -hmm. was almost all his own money he didn't have to solicit donations from big donors. Yeah. he didn't and have to sell himself is... out to anybody he got to basically just be, do whatever he wanted and but it was it was less his money his money enabled him of course in many ways to even have the platform in the first place but mm -hmm. it was really his persuasion game and his his chutzpah as you say mason uh his his, his ability to to not back down because he doesn't have to he's not owned yeah. by anybody i mean maybe he is owned now by the military industrial complex in some way shape or form we could argue that all day long yeah. but at the time of his run and and that and the way he was successful it, it was because he didn't give a shit i mean essentially he, yeah. didn't, yeah. he didn't have to give a shit right and, yeah, and that's he's he's very it's very interesting like if you read his uh book the art of the deal like a lot of the stuff he talks about well i don't i mean i think he that was ghostwritten but like for the most part mm -hmm. It, it is a lot of his personality in it. And this was, I think this book. You don't think out, Trump like, was sitting there on Microsoft word, like <laughs> typing, typing. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I mean, like, have you, have you ever heard, seen, uh, heard Penn Gillette talk about him from the apprentice, like how bizarre of a human being yes, he is. Yeah. I have. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, reading the art of the deal. I, I, while I was reading it, I was kind of like in my mind going like, what was it like to be the ghostwriter for this? Cause you had to follow him around. Right. This is a guy who doesn't, who doesn't love music. Doesn't like music. Like it's like it's yeah, a very so weird people that yeah. don't like music are weird. I can get into it not liking weird. certain kinds of music, yeah. but not liking the concept of music is like, whoa, that's weird. Yeah, like if you're like, oh, I don't get it, and you're like, what? 
Well, everybody, everybody, everybody likes something. Like but Mason, Mason it, loves Spotted Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is like I'm tone deaf and like I can't carry a beat. So for a long time, like I would, it's like Lions of Liberty, Tom Woods, Jason Stapleton, a few weird crime podcasts, and I didn't listen to music at all like after i'd been listening to modest mouse because like i can't follow a song and a story like so when you're singing a song and there's a story in it i can't follow it so i can imagine growing up in a like if you were like a little bit more down the road of like not being like and i also don't have a good mental like projection like i can't like visualize things very much well anymore so like if you don't have like that sort of mind like i can totally just being like this is annoying like i i'm closer to that like i get like not liking music. Now I love music and I listen to music. Like my, I've got a three-year-old and like we put music on, she dances, like we goof off with music. Like I've made it, like I've worked harder to have it more in my life and I can kind of enjoy it better than I used to. But like if I get on a kick where like I'm not listening to music for a long time, I can go months without going like, I'm going to turn on a piece of music intentionally. Now, maybe it's because my wife is like a music fanatic and turns on music all the time. But like, if it's just me driving in the car, it's like, and for the 15th time, this episode of Lions of Liberty, followed by Tom Woods and Jason Tableton in like no music. But now also, as Jacob knows, like we both drove Ford Fiestas and then like my radio died four years ago and I've just been using a portable speaker in my cell phone. So it's like, podcasts are easier. Like it just yeah. comes through better. But like, yeah. you know, like I listen to a lot of kids songs these days and I get it. But like, if you didn't have to raise your kids technically, like, cause you had a wife that had to do it. Like I totally get like that standpoint. And this is one of the things that I think people get wrong about Trump a lot is when he was at the apprentice and like, especially the celebrity style one, mm-hmm. he knew that those people were going to sell him out every minute that he did something. So he puts off this weird front. Cause there are a lot of people who've like met him in like this weird passing where like you have no like status mm-hmm. and he's a pretty jovial guy. Right. But the people who have to be around him for a long time, and especially people like Pendulette who have a platform, it's like, no, yeah. you're going to get this weird guy. Well, who's and, like, and, how yeah, can you destroy me? I have no and doubt be, he creates a character for himself to based oh, yeah. on what situation he's in at every moment. Yeah, and to be and to be fair, like Pen forty chess, like seventy-two day D underwater uh, basket weaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Upside like down. Pen, Pen did say he found him as, as like a fascinating person because I guess like Eric or Trump Jr. or whatever pulled him aside at some point and was like, you're the only one here who like is polite or interesting or whatever to my dad. And he was like, I find your dad fascinating. He's he, he's an amazing person. He's just, yeah. I think Pen, that this type of human exists. <laughs> like I think Penn Gillette is like one of those like, just missed opportunities. Like if he had somehow any desire to like study psychology or anything where it's observing humans, like he is so amazingly good at observing a person and picking up stuff on them so quickly Mm -hmm. that like, I feel like we would have probably like advanced the field of psychology super far because he would have just been like (laughs) the new Sigmund Freud if had he not been like, I'm just going to be homeless like voluntarily and be a magician on the street. He's one guy (laughs) that I I wish would get more involved in the political end of, of libertarianism mm-hmm. now that I'm yeah. more involved in that end of things. Yeah. Just cause I, and he says a lot of things that I'm like, ah, I don't know, man, I don't agree with that. But I, I, 
that stuff aside, I think he could be a really amazing voice, not just because he's well-known, has a platform. He's extremely intelligent and a very yeah. good communicator. I mean, these are the kinds of people that the Libertarian Party needs to be attracting. It needs to, like, yeah. they, we need to create a place that they want to come. We're not, these people aren't just going to come run in the party just because it says Libertarian. It needs to become right. a place that we need people like that and people like that want to be there. I don't have the answers of how to create that environment, but I mean, those are the kinds of voices that we need to be communicating to the masses. They're the kinds of people that can reach different sorts of people and bring them in and sort of the, the Bob Barr method. I don't care how you got here. Now that you're here, now now we can work on you. Send them over to Lions yeah. of Liberty. Send them over yeah. to Tasting Anarchy. Send them over to the people that can really you know break things down. And this yeah. and this is where like I I really want to get like because uh, Jacob Hornberger doesn't he's not far from where I am. I want to go over to him and be like, look, please keep running. I love everything you're doing. You're doing it all right, but I need you to run again in four years after there's no coronavirus because like this is what we're missing is the chance to have rallies around him where he because mm -hmm. you know he's been traveling he's been doing it all on his own money like at least for me like i know there are plenty of people who are in the party and like you know are great and stuff like that but like he is that epitome of 30 years of the same message like amazing communicator is constantly right. doing you're not going to go like, back and find some some email or some correct. article where he said something yeah. totally off the rails you know it's yeah and like consistent you know, like you can't like even like those those weird articles like supposedly like from Ron Paul like where it's like oh like you know kind of looks like racism and you're like no like he doesn't even have that like people have tried for years to find this on him and it, he's written every day it's like you you had every opportunity for thirty years to call him out and you can't yeah and having that person like step up and say yeah I want to do it at the and not I'm saying that like it's the worst time to be running because like oh we've got to support Trump against like crazy Joe Biden. I mean, like literally just the fact that like, we can't go out and like put out signs that say Hornberger and like, you know, have just kind of putting out that grassroots campaign and stuff like that. And one of the other things that like the last time I looked and I haven't looked in about a month, like I've wanted to order a Jacob Hornberger shirt since January. And I've been like, do I have to create them and start selling them as like, and then like donate to campaign to the campaign, the profits, like what's going on here? Like, how do I get a shirt? Yeah. I don't know. I, th I think he's got them. I don't know for sure. I think he's last, I, we, last I looked, they didn't have them. Okay. Well, I mean, just FYI, Mason, you and I uh, contribute $10 a month to him from tasting anarchy. So yeah, and, but, <laughs> but that's the thing that drives me nuts is like, you know, the one opportunity where we really have this, like you got bad shit insane Joe Biden, you've got bad shit insane Trump. And then there's Jacob Hornberger. Who's like, hi, yeah. I'm not a lunatic. Right. I have cogent points. I well, know but, where Aleppo is. I can actually yeah. <laughs> point it out on the map and none of the two other people running can. I can also point out Tripoli. I could point out like all the point, you know, like he probably name every capital in the world. And it's like, he could do all those things. Plus he's jovial, kind, and is like a good communicator. It's like, yeah. no. <laughs> well, I mean, but you know, to, 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 to be, I mean, to be fair is Jacob Hornberger is not the libertarian nominee. And, uh, he, he may be, and I, I support him and I like him a lot, but there, you know, I think actually pretty much everybody who's running right now, I'd probably be satisfied with it. One way agreed. Or and, and that's the thing is I agree, but like having the chance to have four or five amazingly good candidates vying for the possibility of being the nominee. Yeah. And then supporting each other when they're not right. Like, not like the, the like the, the Democrats where it's like 
more crazier person followed by more crazier person. It's not like we're sitting there going like it's Vernon Supreme or uh, Jacob Hornberger. Like I, I, mean, I would be, I would like, be happy with Vermin Supreme. Honestly, yeah, I, I would take Vermin Supreme. I'd had fun with it. You know. Yeah. 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 And here's the thing: is like I would too, but we have this opportunity with a guy who has dedicated his life and spent his yeah. platform. It's not like he's a billionaire going like, I love the Libertarian Party and I'm going to make this happen. Right. This is yeah. a guy who has spent his life not enriching himself like masterfully. Like he's, you know, dedicated his life to doing this. He's spending his own money to do it, to get the chance to represent the party that he helped in, you know, 30 years ago. Like he's done all this stuff. And it's like, yes, even if he isn't the nominee, that's fine. If somebody else wins, but it's a fair fight, it's not like this railroading thing. It's not this infighting nonsense. It's literally like somebody going up there and it's like, no, I want him Hornberger for VP. And, and I only say charismatically speaking, like somebody like Larry Sharp, Larry Sharp, like other than that Joe Rogan podcast, he is which, so which he, he even admits he totally whiffed that. Correct. Right? Correct. Like, like, but, too, but. Yeah. Like he's so charismatic. He's so yeah. articulate. It's like, there's a guy, this guy, Pavel Tatsulin, who's a, the guy who brought kettlebells to the United States, he was on Joe Rogan. And it was like one of the worst Joe Rogan interviews that I've heard. It's like, Joe was like fangirling on this guy. And this guy was just like, I'm not ready for it. And that's kind of what happened with Larry Sharp. It's like, no, like, you know how to handle Joe Rogan. You've handled these people before you have the opportunity to do it. He didn't do it. That's fine. But like, you know, for me, it's like, we have this opportunity. I just want to go to like Hornberger. It's like, look, man, they're literally threatening us with guns. Otherwise I'm out there with your rallies every weekend. Like that's the thing that's stopping me. And not that like there aren't good people running. It's just like we have one of the best that we can willing to spend the time to do it now. Like, do we get that again? Hey there, Liberty Kitties. Time to take a quick time out to tell you about one of our longtime supporters. His name is Tyler Colford, and he goes by the pseudonym Crypto Man. That's his rapping name. That's right. He is a rapper as well. He does some awesome stuff, and he recently produced a track called Free Ross. And the Ross in question is, of course, Ross Ulbricht, the creator of the Silk Road Marketplace, who was sentenced to two life sentences for creating that marketplace. Yes, it was a black market indeed of all sorts of things including drugs consensual transactions which libertarians are completely in favor of there were no victims and there were no crimes as far as we're concerned so please do check out the track free ross it was just released on friday march 27th the 35th birthday of Ross Ulbricht. And 100% of the proceeds will go to the Free Ross Foundation, which is uh, helping to free Ross and bring more awareness to his situation. Do check out the links. I will put them all over at lionsofliberty.com slash free Ross for ease of use. You can also pre-order it on Google Play. Again, 100% of the proceeds of this track will be going to help free Ross. Still wonder why there's an overpopulation in the prison system persecuting and crimes from the original victim parents to win time separating children perpetuating crime to a future generation so and, the gen- and uh coronavirus is really messing up libertarian plans in many ways i mean besides yep. just the fact Childerberg. no sorry <laughs> and, yeah we gotta talk about Childerberg before we before we roll out here uh because i know jake at least jake i know you've been a huge fan of parting that planning that locally um, uh pretty pretty much pretty much i run all of Childerberg. Uh, yes. So By it's, huge uh, part, I mean doing all the work. <laughs> other than other um, than the nonsense that I throw at him. Car, I yeah, think Carr yeah. tweets something once in a while. But. Yeah, which is great. Agreed. Which is which yeah. is awesome. Like uh, Carr, 
car. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about Childerberg a little bit yeah, because I, I want, yeah, I want everybody to know that as of right now, I don't know what the future brings. I look. I don't. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. If you, if you think that that this is yeah, we're conspiracy I, I, I love Mike that analysis right. defined it. We that, are. That, yeah, that's. I always say I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Right before I land on huge conspiracies. <laughs> so, so let's hear okay. It. So so basically, I, basically, I think most of this Corona stuff is bullshit. So, but like, do you think it? doesn't exist bullshit or is overhyped bullshit no i mean it exists it's it's okay. but it's i i think that they clearly seize on the opportunity to to crash the market um as a way to make sure that they could control the recession because i i think that they were getting to a point where they were like oh man this is like and and by they i mean like the powers that be or whatever but like when you look at the numbers on this and and granted the, the, there's not really very good reliable numbers but when you look I mean, at the that's numbers, that's the biggest thing. No one knows here. No one knows. Yeah, exactly. Anything. Exactly. People, yeah. Every week we know something new, but no one really knows. But we don't. But even what it's we doing don't know something it's new because it's like they like ten, it's like the uh, GDP figures revised down for the third week in a yeah. row. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they they come out. With, yeah. They come out with the GDP figures and then and then they revise it and revise it and revise it. And then the other thing too is that like they keep coming out with like this test with the different testing and the. The issue with that is that um, is that the more people you test, the n- more positive cases you'll have, right? So, it, and so, and, and people have been talking about this. Is that like uh, actually? I think Car Car Campit on Twitter uh, at Car Campit has been tweeting this a lot. Is that if you don't know what the denominator is, then um, it, it doesn't it doesn't it make is any sense. irrelevant. Yeah. So yeah. like it, like if, you're dividing if, like, by two. Like, yeah, like for for example, if if I and I think that Carb or maybe it was Rolo or somebody who brought up this one, but he's like, if I surveyed my mom and asked her like, who's the most handsome young man uh, in the world, and and in a survey of one of one, my mother, I'm the most handsome young man on the world. So like, what's the survey like? You know, and so when you're saying that like this is the number of people who have Corona or whatever, we don't know how many people have been tested. We don't know what it is, and then there's information coming out of places like Iceland where like Iceland has actually got extremely good testing. And they're saying that 70% of people who test positive for Corona, it's going to be one of these 20 varieties of uh, COVID-19 and 70% are going to have no symptoms at all. 25% will have symptoms, but of those 25%, uh, about 90% of those, so like 25 or 20% or whatever of the remaining 25% will have minor symptoms that are, like related to the flu and then 5% will have serious symptoms that turn into like Joe Biden. Yeah. Joe Biden. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It makes you think how many people have already had it or have had it that didn't think twice about it. I mean, I've, if I, I don't really get a flu, but if I get really sick or I'm coughing, what do I do? I go to bed for a week and I'm fine. I never even consider going to a doctor. I mean, I I never would unless it got so bad that I thought I was going to die or something. I I had the flu for the first time last year and I'm betting. Or did you have I, Corona? No, for the no I actually, we, Jacob and I were talking about this last week on our show where we honestly think like, I honestly think that if they show that it was in the United States in 2019 and in January, I had it. Cause like, I've never had the chills. And then like, we, we like our water heater went out. We bought a tankless because we had the flu. Cause we were just like, we can't get warm. We're literally in sweats in multiple shirts, like my wife and I, and like, it was, like a week apart and the funny thing is our daughter who had just started daycare didn't get like got just sick but not like like she we were so sick if she had gotten what we had she would have had to go to the hospital 
It does like, seem to affect children, at least in the effects of it, in a, in a much you know more mild yeah, way. Like not at those. all, really. And and that's a, yeah. the the thing that we're seeing is like it's just like we don't know, we don't know. And then like Jacob, we know somebody who's in the Virginia medical system who's like, yeah, this the test is sixty yeah, percent right. effective. Yeah, well, that, that's true. It's not so a very useful test yeah. at all. Yeah. So yeah, and, I, I do know. Yeah, we I know somebody who's in it, and and he was and like he was telling me at that, a, like a high level too. Yeah, and he was say he was like we don't. He said a we don't test very many people. If you come in, you have flu symptoms. We just assume it's corona and then send you home. And to but, die because uh, you're not, bored. Not, well, I mean, <laughs> send you home with a glass, no. a bottle of LSD water, and tell you. Oh right. my god, just that watch would the be movies good. for a couple of days. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he was he was saying he's like he's like look he's like as much as I would like to be an expert on this because I called him to because I was like I don't know I don't know what's going on exactly and and to me like when I go around Texas here it's like it seems normal like I was like it's weird to like walk outside it's eighty five degrees out birds are chirping. There's the dogs are out there playing. Everything seems fine. It's sunny. I'm swimming in the pool, all that kind of stuff. And supposedly the world's coming to an end. Yeah. It's, it's the strangest. It's the most normal feeling zombie apocalypse I, I could ever imagine. Yeah. There's nobody but, puking in the street. There's nobody eating each yeah. other's brains. I mean, it, but that's what like 2000, like the, the, when the market fell out in 2008, that's what it felt like. You went outside and it's like, it's a crisp fall day. This it's mm-hmm. sunny. Like, yeah. I was in yeah, college, was, so like, you know, it was clearly it's isolated, but like the stock market's falling apart. It's like, who gives a shit? Like Boeing took a, took a beating. Okay. Maybe they won't bomb so many brown people now. Like, was it, who cares? So here, here's also kind of a, a funny anecdote or whatever is I, I messaged, I mean, I'm in like a, like a libertarian group chat for people who are Childerberg adjacent, I guess. And, uh, I, I messaged them and they, and I was saying, is it, is it possible that like, I don't care because I don't know anybody who has it yet. And then my, uh, well, he's my sister's boyfriend who is the dad, the dad of her daughter. So I call him my baby daddy in law. (laughs) And, um, so my baby daddy in law's brother-in-law, his grandmother got Corona and supposedly died very sad. I don't know. I don't know that or whatever, but I'm like, if I have to trace this by like 10 degrees of separation, you can't even Kevin Bacon. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, I'm like, how, how could this possibly be serious then if like, this is how I'm tracing it is that somebody who is the dad of my niece, his brother-in-law's grandmother had it and is dead, but she's also like 90. Yeah. Like, Okay, it's like, look, if you don't live in Lombardi, you don't live in Wuhan, you don't live in New York City, you're going to probably be okay. Like, I mean, Mark's in like hobo capital of the world and like Skid Row isn't dead, but like Rikers Island is dead. So like, let's just make sure Michael Malice doesn't get arrested and we'll be all yeah. okay. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> it's, like, yeah, it's very weird. But, but co- kind of, uh, yeah, as long kind as I don't go to jail, I'm feeling pretty good about my survival. <laughs> yeah, like I had a cousin who posted like, oh, you know, like happy birthday, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And like somebody lock her up so she doesn't get it. And I'm like, why don't you lock her up in Rockers, Rikers Island and let's see if she makes it. And then somebody fly uh, somebody fly Michael Malice to uh, Tom Wood's house. So he's not in New York City anymore. He can go to the gym. Like yeah, that guy's right. loose in his mind. <laughs> but yeah, so like Childerberg, yeah, um, yep. because I always do the plugging for Childerberg. Uh, Right now, tentatively, 23rd through 26th in Austin, Texas. Right now, we are intending to happen. But, you know, if the uh, jackbooted authorities try to kick us out of the park, which we basically decided to, uh, and by we, I mean Jacob, has decided to stop trying to 
negotiate with the city to actually pay them money to do anything intelligent. Um, we're going to just uh, be there having fun yeah. doing stuff. Uh, we're going to, we've talked about uh, privately kidnapping Mark, um, you know, so that way he can have fun, stop recording all this good content, come make bad <laughs> content with uh, Tasting Anarchy, Friends <laughs> Against Government, Rollo and Slappy Show, um, you know, what, Peaceful Treason, like yep, uh, yep. probably a free man. Friends, not yeah, Friends Against the Government. Yeah. Um, Friends so Against the, Government will be there. Here's um, the question, because the LNC is up in the air right now. Yeah. <clears throat> because mm-hmm. I think for multiple reasons, just the actual concern of the virus, also because they don't know if the city also of Austin will, will allow it to happen either. Right. Um, so the question is, old, and so. it sounds like I've already heard the answer, but you guys are doing Childerberg no matter what. Right. The thing is, is that Childerberg is independent of the LNC anyways. Course, it, right. I, I moved the date and it was supposed to be the first week of June. That That's what it's probably going to be going forward. I moved it a week early because try to get um, some overlap. And- yeah. Yeah. To get a little overlap, give people well, a we break. Knew you were coming to Austin. Yeah, and exactly. Like, Just for me like, specifically, really. Well, no, like that, <laughs> I mean, that's a big thing for us too, is like, there are people, like, as you said at the beginning of the show, like in the meat space, the whole point of Childerberg is to meet yes, each other. Yeah. Exactly. We, we can't like, you know, we both lived in Virginia. We didn't go to Porcupine Fest. We had no reason for a virtual Pork- Childerberg. We're, it, we already do that it, on our. On exactly. Our yeah. Like we had plenty of people went to Pork Fest, like, and we did a one day event and it was like amazing. And that's what we missed from the, the like meetups that we met each other through. So it's kind of like, no, we got an opportunity where all of these people are coming to one city and we can be there too. Like, the chance to meet you guys, like the you know, yeah. the chance to and, you know, and possibly this meet kind Jason, of that like same point is that I think, yeah, and and to that to that point too is I think that one of the things because most libertarians we kind of exist online a lot and, um, I think that it's really important for people to form communities. So like for for example, lo- locally here there was a. Um, uh, there's a libertarian couple that one of one of the couple had a had surgery and uh, so the local libertarian group was able to get together and do like what I remember when I was a kid from church is that if somebody has surgery or somebody or something like that you send them food right mm-hmm. it's it's very helpful and because of the breakdown I think and the uh, you know people say that libertarians like are atomized or whatever uh, is that the right word atomized. Uh, I mean, sure. Like, let's, let's, I think that's the, like it's the point across, but it's yeah. not the word that we one would use. Right. Well, like everybody's like, oh, well, they'll be free into themselves or whatever. And like, if if you if you can't, you know, if you can't grow your own food, then like screw you or whatever. That's not that's not really what libertarians believe. They just believe in in making voluntary communities. So like, we had somebody who was uh, nearby here in the DFW area. They they said this is going on, and fortunately, we were able to go ahead and order them some food, make sure that they were okay, and get them some stuff together. And so that helps a lot. You know, you may know people online, you may give to a GoFundMe or that kind of thing, but it also helps to just like be able to meet people in person. So that was kind of my goal with Childerberg. Uh, when, when Carr mentioned it, uh, when I still live in Virginia, actually, and I just started following Carr, he, the very first week. you were moving to Texas. I did. Yeah. So I was looking for Texas libertarians and, um, Carr had tweeted, uh, Bilderberg is happening. I think I'm going to protest it this year by hanging out in my apartment by myself and drinking and calling it Childeberg. And I, and like that clicked with me. I was like, Whoa, Childeberg. That's a great name. And it it's a, a good up. I, I want to just for, just for the few that might not be enlightened out there. Can you, uh, can you tell people where the name, like what the, uh, 
the Ilderberg, <laughs> what, what that yeah. is. <laughs> so build the Bilderberg supposedly, and actually Adam Kokesh, when he's on your show, he actually uh, mentioned to John Odermatt, I think, and uh, is when he was talking about like his, yeah. his kind of uh, evolution into running for president or whatever. So Bilderberg is this group of basically the, the world's most powerful power brokers. And um, it's not even, it's not even a secret. Not a conspiracy. Is, it's a yeah. real thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a it's a real thing. Happens. But when anytime I bring it up with like regular normies or whatever, they're like, "Oh, whatever, that's a big conspiracy." I'm like, "It's it's not like, even hidden." The president like, no, they published, they published his, articles about it, like the mainstream the news. The president does. banned federal workers from going to it. Yeah, it, it, like, it's, it's it's the most bizarre <laughs> thing. It's like the most bizarre open conspiracy there is. But basically, it's these people. They get together. They make the. I, I think it was founded originally for people who were very powerful to start like to discuss policy. Uh, on a on a global scale, and so they invite mostly like very powerful CEOs, political figures, that sort of stuff, and those people go there and there. And it's supposed to be like no cameras or anything like that, and they're supposed to be able to discuss basically how they're going to rule us, the plebes. And um, you know, it's protested every year by Alex Jones and and actually Kokesh was there, but like regular people too. Like this is not this is not like these are not elected people typically, and but. And every single president prior, I think actually prior to Trump, um, went to this prior to being elected. So like it's 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 one of those weird things where like there's a lot of very bizarre stuff going on when it when it comes to the Bilderbergs. But anyways, the Bilderbergs they they decided that they're going to run our lives for us supposedly, and so we kind of decided well we'll just start our own thing, Childeberg, which is we'll we'll run our lives the way that we want to run our lives, and for a couple of days we'll just camp out grill out, you know, drink a lot of beers, drink, drink wine. I'm going to have a wine tasting at Childeberg Dose. Uh, we had a wine, wine van last year. Yeah. We had, we had a wine tour last year uh, in Texas Hill country. Um, you know, we, we drank beers, we shared food, we swam in the lake this year. We'll swim in the river. It's, it's just kind of a, it's just a chill event for you to kind of build your, build your in-person network of libertarians so that if, if you do need help, if you do need, um, advice for your show guests for your show if you need advice if you need all these different things like we've got a very rich community but it is it is very diverse and it's or very uh not diverse what's you know geographically i guess diverse people from a lot of different places and it's just a good idea it's a good opportunity for us to kind of coalesce in one area build some personal relationships and once you meet people once you you know hang out with them and and like you know, actually see them in person, that, that kind of solidifies a friendship. And so. Yeah, it's a huge you know, thing. I mean, just going, uh, 20, uh, last year, 28, no, not, that's not last year, 2018. 2019. Anyway, we went to pork fest for the first time and the LNC for the first time. And that was the first time I met so many people that I'd only known as maybe fans of the show or yeah. uh, a retweet here and there and just meeting people in real life and talking to them. You really start to realize like, we are, we really are building a community here, like a real one, not just an internet one. Uh, yeah, and when yeah. we get off the internet and meet people, meet each other in real life and uh, become actual friends, not just internet friends. I mean, it really does change, uh, so many things about the way you feel about what you're doing like you know i felt so much i felt like what we're doing at lions of liberty is, is so much bigger than i had felt prior to doing those things because yeah, it, just it, having really, people I mean, yeah. in person tell me oh i really love your show oh you've really l- helped me learn about this uh or i've actually overheard someone talking about talking about like out of the corner of my ear i heard someone talking about an episode that i did with walter block and i'm just like what? Why am I I'm at a place overhearing someone <laughs> talking about something I did without knowing I'm even listening? This is the same yeah. thing do, ever. Do you creep up on them and be like, <sighs> I'm, I've been here the whole time. 
It's it's right it is it's, it's really it's it's wild. Like when I when we did Childerberg, I with Childerberg one, I thought maybe 10, 15 people would show up. I planned for fifty just in case, and but people showed up from North Dakota, from Pennsylvania, Mason, dr- you know, like Virginia. like Rolo Rolo flew, I flew, but a guy f- drove from North Dakota. Like I mean, like yeah, we had a guy. A guy drove from gonna, Chicago. A guy was coming from was gonna come from like Sweden. And like mm-hmm. wasn't able to make it, and it literally was the last minute that he wasn't able to come. Yeah, actually, like, yeah, Alex Utopium on Twitter. Um, he's he's a cool guy. He's got he's actually got a really good blog about urban. I know that name from Twitter. Yeah. yeah, it's funny yeah, how he, many names you recognize from Twitter now. Yeah, yeah, he he's he lives I think in Stockholm. I'm not I'm not exactly sure where he lives, but uh, he's got a good blog about like brewing, and also about like finding like food growing in the city, like things that you would think are weeds, but you can eat. So it's, it's pretty interesting. He's awesome. a cool guy. Yeah. So and Childerberg like gonna is going to happen no yeah. matter what is the plan. Well, oh, and as long as we're allowed and, to yeah. travel at that point. I guess. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing is like, that's what we're, they're kind of our contingency plan is like, Texas is one of those places that it's really, you can't really shut Texas down. Mm-hmm. Like it's too, it's like California. Like, you can theoretically shut it down, but like if you go up to Northern, like, I mean, Stockton's probably still happening. Like you can't like Stockton's a crime zone. That's where my wife's from. Like it's, yeah. it's still happening. But like, and like, and like where I'm from, like in California, Northern California, like nobody lives there. It's, yeah. it's like, it's so sparsely populated that like you could drive for, you know, 10 hours and not see another car. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, people don't realize a, how huge California is. It's, yeah. It's and, big. And that's the thing about Texas is like Texas is even larger. So, yeah. but like that's kind of the thing is like Virginia like is not on lockdown, and like they made it kind of very clear that like if the gov- federal government goes on lockdown, Virginia is going on lockdown. Otherwise, Virginia is not going on lockdown. And yeah, so like if I can fly to Texas, like there's going to be Childerberg of Jacob and me, like and my wife and child were going to come, and like they didn't come to the first one. But we were gonna take like a trip to Texas and do that stuff, and like well, we, we've already got it in the budget to uh, to go yeah. to, to Austin that week. So you know, as far as I'm concerned, if we can't go for LNC, I, I'd love to uh, still still try to go well, for that. Like our our biggest concern with like like and this I haven't talked to Jacob about this because it literally came up like today when he was sharing articles about the LNC is like you know you guys like planning to come out and do those different things. It's like if they move it like two weeks. It's like crap. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. I guess we're going to Los Angeles, like, or something like that, you know. And that's kind of the, yeah. the classic Jacob and I thought process of, like, well, when we start making a lot of money doing internet stuff, <laughs> then like, you know, we're gonna be like in the random Childerberg pop up event that happened in Los Angeles this weekend, and here's all this recording, like those sort yeah. of things. So, like, if Childerberg can't happen physically because we can't go out. Childerberg will be a digital event even. But yeah, exactly. Right now it's it's gonna be at least Jacob and I doing something in Texas because <laughs> I can't go a year without seeing him. So, you know, yeah. romance to the end. It would just hurt too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is too, like if 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 it truly goes on lockdown, nobody's going to Austin or anything like that. Um, you know, I've I've actually spent I like not to like make not to like uh what what it like uh make anybody feel bad about Childerberg. I've spent humble a lot of my brag. own. Uh, yeah. yeah I, 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 it's not even a humble brag. It's, I've spent a lot of my own money on this already. Mm-hmm. And, and my, and this was my thought process with the first one as well. And my thought process with the next one is I'll make up whatever I spend 
in donations and, and t-shirt sales and that sort of stuff. So I'm not really that worried about it, but now we're at a, at a at kind of like a weird crossroads where it's like, they may just shut down the park and I don't know if Austin will refund right. my money. And, uh, Did you, if they like, have they actually, maybe you can I charge think back. If they shut down the park. They, they kind of have to. Yeah. I, I, mess, I no, messaged no, them. This is the government we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So. I was going to yeah. say like, this is the government that won't get back to him about like noise ordinance issues where he's yeah. like, what, what do I have to have when there's Bass Pro tournaments coming in and they're making a, you know, 130 decibels worth of noise. And I'm talking about having a small microphone for, so Robbie the Fire can do some stand up and then anybody else who wants to do it. Hint, yeah. hint. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, yeah, all the stand up. Oh, that wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was hitting. I have you. done stand up and, uh, three times. So, you know. I know. And there's a record, there's a recording of one of your stand ups on, uh, on YouTube, I think, or, or maybe you guys shared it on the, uh, Patreon, it but exists uh, somewhere, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? We I announced this. I announced stand up, and a lot of libertarians do amateur, and they were interested in doing it. And Robbie agreed to mediate it. If Robbie isn't shut down, because it seems like New York City is like the most draconian of the Corona situation. I don't know if they're going to be able, allowed to fly out of there. So I, I guess I guess what what I'm hearing is I've got to get my wife's car. I've got to drive to New York. <laughs> I've got to get Dave, his wife, and his daughter. Yeah. Robbie and Malice <laughs> somehow in a car and then get somewhere else. <laughs> well, yeah. make, make it a van and pick me up on the way. It's, it's not really on the way, but you can make it on the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> it'll go around or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's kind of the weird thing. But like at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised at all if like Monday – things like go back to normal or something like, you know, I know that yeah. I know that the federal government is kind of saying like they're going to wait till Easter or whatever. That's a really long time for the entire country to be shut down. I mean, well, t- and, the, and, uh, the, in California, being, the governor said uh, this current order that we're under is until April 19th. Meanwhile, the other day, the mayor of Los Angeles said expect to be locked down for two months. That, yeah. the, 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 I don't, I don't, yeah, it is insane. insane. I, that doesn't, like the the amount like even even ignoring the two trillion dollar plus four trillion dollar plan from the government or whatever like you just can't be locked down that long it it doesn't yeah. it it for, doesn't for both economic and sanity reasons like people yeah, and, lose their minds if they're not interacting with their friends and their loved and, ones for and this is time. and this is what like makes me laugh like because like I live in a place where you can drive around the corner and see up to four aircraft carriers in dock, like yeah. literally nuclear powered. Like they're 80. It's like being in San Diego. Like it, like I live, I actually live within a mile of like the U S ability to destroy another country. Like yeah. uh, short of like, I guess Russia, like I live within that. And like, we're like, yeah, we're not really shutting down things. And like California is like, you know, uh, that really northern place, like uh, Pinecrest or like J- Jacob, where and I swear, yeah, like Truckee, like Truckee, like or yeah, like any, these, any, these yeah, pl- uh, like way the, up there, yeah, yeah. These places where like they've never even like they don't get the seasonal flu. They're so small. Yeah, and well, tr- like, tr- yeah, Truckee's pretty big, but like yeah. yeah, I mean, like where my where my my sister lives, she lives in like Eel River or something like that, and yeah, it's like population 300 or something. Yeah. And I live in the biggest, I live next to the biggest town in Virginia and it's like the biggest military population. We have people transiting from Afghanistan, Iraq, Somalia, like all of the hotspots the U S is fighting from, they come into Norfolk and it's like, yeah, we're not shutting down for crap. Like, like, and we have governor blackface and he's like 
Hey, yeah, I'll kill a baby at eight months. Like, I don't care. Like, but yeah, we're not shutting down for the coronavirus, but California is like, yeah, yeah, somebody sneezed yesterday. Um, and San Diego had hep B last year in the water. So we're shutting down completely. <laughs> like, so. Well, I mean, you know, my, you know, my sisters are big conspiracy theorists and, uh, they, you know, they live up in Northern California. They think this is all a plan by like Gavin Newsom and those types of people to uh, force people to urbanize so that they can get them in smart cities to uh, monitor their movements to and track stuff. them. Like this is the like full Alex Jones, you know, conspiracy. Oh, <laughs> uh, like what well, my, my sisters are um, unique individuals. And <laughs> I'm, op- I'm open to it at this point. I- I'm, I'm, it, I'm willing it, to believe almost anything because yeah. this stuff I mean, is it, crazy. It's bizarre. Say, like, we can, it is like, really we can, bizarre. We can recreate the Lions of Liberty studio in my uh, spare room here, Mark. Like you can get out of California. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. yeah. Howie's not far by. I mean, that's true. Actually, but, and well, can I live but, there too? Is well, the, here, here's I the I may bigger, not have work anymore for a while. Well, here's <laughs> the, well, actually, um, if you live within Hampton Roads or within striking distance of DC, yeah, like you could get work, like especially in video production and sound actually, stuff. The, the funny yeah. thing is about all this, I actually had a well, it wasn't an official job offer. I was reached out to about a job offer uh, in DC just before this all got crazy. Yeah, and I, at the end of the day, they they said the money would be about the same. Uh, the, the most, the best they could do would be about the same money I make now. And in my mind, I was just like, I don't want to uplift my life and live further away from where I really like everything. I was going to say just like, for the same thing, you know, if it was well, way better. But now I'm like, well, a California. I might lock my job down for the the rest of the year. So yeah, and maybe, I, fun- maybe I should call back. Well, the funny thing is, like here, you could technically live in a place where it would be cheaper to live and still make it to that job, mm-hmm. whereas where you live now, you couldn't. That's true. So if you're making the same yeah. money, you could make out like a I bandit. I actually do now. know a few people that live literally over two hours away from where where they work. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just, mean, just you know, it's so much, our, that much. Yeah. Time. When our our buddy uh, our buddy Nate Classic, who's been on our show, he 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 works remotely, but uh, they live they live outside of DC. But his parents work in DC, and they're like an hour and a half away or something something like that. Like it's it's not. Yeah, it's I mean, close. they're farther than that. Like I have. My are they cousin, are they further than my, that? My cousin, who's like his dad or my uncle, who live who works in the Pentagon or the Coast Guard Command, wherever it is. I forget where it is now. Um, like his average commute, like no traffic, zombie apocalypse. It's forty-five minutes. Yeah, his average commute is like two hours, and yeah, it's, it's not even bananas. that. Like, yeah, but you know, that, to to inc- encourage you a little bit, Mark, is like I was out in Anaheim a couple of months ago, and like every time I go back to California, I'm always like, you know what? It it is kind of worth the paradise tax. Like, I mean, even, pe- people don't understand that. It, it kind of yeah. is. I mean, there. Uh, yeah. I, I, mean, I weigh my costs and benefits every day. Yeah. Every day, to, I say, well, to be I honest, like you. every every time I go to San Diego, I'm like, I have a wife and kid. I have a wife and kid. I have a wife and kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, San Diego. Like, to 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 be honest, it's like Jason Stapleton. In like, this is one of the things I love about Jason Stapleton. He's like, the wealth tax. So you mean to live here in paradise? I just have to earn more money. Are you fucking retarded? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, and actually, so, sort of, sort of on that same note, it's like I love Dallas. I think Dallas is a great place to live. It is insanely hot in the summer. Yeah, that but work for me. Yeah. Well, it, it does. It you know, it's I, it's not I, as not, bad as you think. 
Like yeah. having been there, for I've been Black there in the summer. It was as bad as I thought. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, it's not Arizona. No, at least yeah. it's dry. At least it is like a dry heat. That I can, it is, oh, yeah, it I is can actually can't yeah. handle that. So, so, so it's don't like come. The, don't the come live with Howie and I. With the world that I can't handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, don't live. Come live with Howie and I because it, it is <laughs> yeah, yeah. swamp yeah, it's, ass. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Well, and that that was the thing is like even even though I lived in Virginia for ten years, like the humidity was it was just too much. I, I, I couldn't like every year I was like, I can't, I just can't get used to it here. It's like, you know, it's 105, 107 or whatever, not a big deal. And I, and now actually I bought a house and the, and the house has a pool so I can go out and swim in the pool. I grew up in, in California in, and then granted I'm, I was in the foothills, so it doesn't get quite as hot as the Valley, but like the Valley is, you know, 105, like a hundred. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like a hundred like, and well, a half. I mean, like Stockton, yeah, Stockton, yeah. where your wife's from, or like Sacramento, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it can be all of August is like 102, and like so, what? It's 105 here in Dallas, and a little bit more humid. It's like, yeah, I, I got a pool. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, you know, I, I guess to like pick a pick, a, like get everybody's like uh, whatever panties in a ruffle or whatever is like maybe with climate change it'll be a little bit more warm. But yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, because that just means the wine growing uh, region in the world will just expand better. That well, that's true. And like, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what ends up happening. I mean, you get like, I mean, we can wrap it up with wine if you, if you guys want. Is sure. Uh, I was about I was about to tee up for you know if you want to wrap up by just <laughs> I was going to say it, like everything like, you guys do at Tasting Anarchy and, and, you, you and gotta, anything wine related. <laughs> you got to watch out for Jacob and I because we will go on for six hours and That's just true. like, oh wait, Mark's oh. still here and he's he's passed out. <laughs> like he's asleep. He's still at recording. some point, I just slowly sneak out of the room and just... Yeah, and then we're just like... Ah. Like Homer Simpson sneaking back into the bitches. Yeah, it's like, like, I'll the, just let the, you guys keep going. It's like the longest episode of... Uh, Lions of Liberty was just tasting anarchy, just <laughs> mouthing off for That's four true. hours. But, and, not, and, and not I, I do, about it. Yeah, and I do have a reputation of like taking over other podcasts because yeah. like I make notes. Like I made notes for this show. We haven't used any of them yet, but uh, <laughs> I, I make. <laughs> All right, I make let's notes. get to the notes. <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to hit, and and it's it's wine related, and that is uh, in relation to coronavirus. We've got um, it, it does actually particularly hit the wine industry hard in some ways and in other ways it's actually pretty beneficial to the wine industry and, and one of the ways that it does hit the wine industry hard is that um, small producers particularly in places like Texas or Virginia where Mason's where, where Mason lives is that small producers rely very heavily on foot traffic to the vineyard and uh, to where they are making the wine they have a serving room and they will let you have taste and stuff like that and that that does they, they serve food and that sort of stuff that is a huge supplement to uh, small producers and uh, right now, uh, in a lot of places, particularly Texas, a lot of those are shut down as a result of Corona, and that is a big problem. And it's a big problem because it's going to cause some that are that have very thin margins to have to either take out loans or possibly shut down uh, continuously. So I, I have an example. This is not a wine example, but my sister lives in uh, one of my sisters. I have four sisters. One of my sisters lives in uh, Nebraska, and she works at a like kind of a brew pub. And they have been forced to shut down because the majority of their money comes in from beer sales. And because of the uh, reduction in beer sales, they've had, they basically not been able to make ends meet. It's only been two weeks of a shutdown and they've had to close. And it's, it's unfortunate, but that's, you know, that's, that's actually the, the reality of this type of situation. The, on the flip side though, a, uh, a bonus kind of of the situation is places like Virginia 
have now allowed wine and beer delivery and wine and mm-hmm. beer curbside pickup. They, they even yeah. are not. Yeah. They're even allowing you to drink yeah. in your car. What? As, as long as you're eating. In yeah, LA, as as they have also, also relaxed the rules and you are allowed to get, since there are no restaurants that are open as restaurants. If oh, you no, no, no. They're, in Virginia, yeah. 10 people. They're yep. open. You right. can there, have 10 they, people yeah. seating. Well, so you can have zero, but you can get a to-go drink if you had a to-go order now, which is which kind of well, begs the question: Why was this ever a problem? Why exactly. It's well, like, a catastrophe. Why can't we do it last week? You know? Yeah, well, I, I exactly. didn't think you guys were allowed to leave the house on fear of death of Captain Newsom, like teabagging yeah. you to death. Yeah, I don't follow. First of all, well, <laughs> we are allowed to leave the house technically, but also uh, I would not not I would not I'm never going to be at a point where I stay in my house all day because I'll lose my mind. And if they're going to put me in jail for leaving my house at any point, then I will be the the poster child for for someone that. Can, right, can we have celebrity I'll, death match? I'll be the one that dies on the cross. Can we yeah. have celebrity death match like uh, Mark Claire versus uh, Gavin Newsom, like claymation <laughs> style? I'm in. I, can we do yeah. it in real life with boxing gloves? Because I'm right. really in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and that's I, that. I, worse than Newsom, I'm really not a big fan of our mayor Garcetti, but that's a whole different Garcetti. Yeah. Set, okay. Set well, that that's a racism ca- component. We'll just let you fight Newsom. <laughs> yeah. It's because he's, he's got Italian, noose in his yeah, name. So. He's got <laughs> noose yeah. in his name. I think Newsom is Italian, so like that might be a problem too. But like you know, we'll we'll see, we'll see. But you know, but that's that's a good example though. Is that like is in the wine industry we've been seeing this is relaxed uh, shipping regulations. This has actually been coming for a long time. It's just been very slow moving. Is mm-hmm. there was there was recently several uh, Supreme Court cases that um, that did particularly pertain to. Uh, shipping across state lines wine, and it, they've been very favorable to wine producers, but it takes time for localities and state level to kind of relax those regulations. Well, here comes, you know, coronavirus and everybody's just like, all bets are off. Uh, Everybody's allowed to basically do everything. But yeah, it does bring up the point, like why were these regulations here in the first place? And it's very, very clear. Who is it protecting then that it's not protecting now? (laughs) Well, for sure. For sure. We know who it was protecting when it comes to alcohol and in alcohol, in alcohol, there's something called the three tier system. And in the three-tier system, wineries are not, until recently, wineries were not allowed to directly sell to you, the consumer. They had to sell to a distributor, and the distributor could then sell to you. And so these have been relaxing over the last several years. I think there was a Supreme Court case in like 2005 or something like that that was allowing uh, wineries to directly sell. Breweries have been trying to get something similar where they're allowed to directly sell and ship. Um but the the three tier system is something that was put in place after prohibition. It's been stuck with us for ever, and well, since prohibition. And it is basically it's you have to have this middleman. And these people clean up. Like in some states, there's one. And yeah, or like one, in Hampton Roads, there was one forever. Right. Yeah. So the, you have these distributors, and they basically they ship. They they are in total control of distribution, and so it's very hard to get into those markets. You, you can't get a lot of the specialty items that exist across the country. And uh, since coronavirus happened, is that a lot of those regulations are being relaxed now? People are allowed to do direct shipment. Uh, restaurants are allowed to sell directly to consumers and stuff like that. Where the restaurant restaurants still do have to consume it um, or purchase it from the the distributors, but it, it is something that's kind of in the making. And I think that. Um, this is a good opportunity for libertarians to capitalize on this is to say, look, these regulations were not necessary in a crisis. Why were they necessary then in peacetime or whatever we, whatever we call like non virus time, you know? So 
that I think is a good example. This is something that we do have looked forward to is that hopefully the government's going to get out of a lot of these regulations um, here locally. That's what we can hope the most for that, that people see yeah. that these sort of libertarian things that are happening in many places around the country, the relaxing of regulations for this emergency reason, the same reasons that they're relaxing them now apply in the quote unquote non-emergency times, whether it's exactly. medical related, whether it's just taking drinks to go. Yeah. And, and that, and that's a, you know, that's a good example. Nick Gillespie had a really good article about this on reason recently where, you know, a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook and that sort of stuff have been like, ha ha, we've defeated libertarians because we need the, you know, the force of the state to deal with this. And it's like, yeah, exactly. And, And Nick Gillespie had this, this point where he's like, what are you talking about? Every single thing that has been good has been a libertarian policy position for years. Yeah. And everything bad has been because the government curtailed something, whether it be testing yeah. or whether it be delivering drinks to people. Exactly. exactly. And and, yeah. and that and and I think that's a very fair point. And that and you know to tie this back into tasting anarchy is what we can hope for is what something that, that most people consume every day or at least once a week. Um, even if you're like Catholic or something and you and you're you don't drink, you do consume communion. And you know whose finger is in your communion wine? Is the government. The and government. so <laughs> you know, the the tagline for tasting anarchy is find out how much government is in your drink. There's a shit ton of government in your drink. It's a higher percentage <laughs> than the alcohol, but yeah, <laughs> I think in most yeah. cases. <laughs> it, it, yeah, exactly. It's the, it, and like, you know, where Mason lives, the ABC is in charge of liquor sales. So yeah, it, it, you're right. It, it is the higher percentage of alcohol, the more government is involved. And um, that's something that we try to shed a light on is that is that alcohol is something that um, humanity in general has in common is, you know, people, no matter what the laws are, people want to get fucked up for whatever reason. <laughs> And uh, whether it be alcohol or marijuana or, you know, heroin or LSD, steroids. Yeah, exactly. Like whatever people want. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever people want, the government is going to try to stop that. But people are always going to find a way around that. And we learn that in prohibition. And we're learning that again now. This is a really great example that's going to add to our arsenal of examples for people who are not libertarians is that the regulation on alcohol and other items doesn't work people when you are in an emergency and you're releasing these these regulations and it helps it's kind of an admission that these were bad i mean it's it's an admission that they do harm or else why would you change it exactly exactly so if they were so good we could wait we could wait two and a half years if they're so great we should have more during this crisis time right should we have more regulations because we're in a really (laughs) bad time Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, that's a really good point. And, and, you know, we're, we're seeing that that is not the case. And, um, and I hope that that kind of translates a little bit like my, my more status relatives I've, I've been keeping contact with because I'm at home all day long. And, um, and I, and I've been bringing blowing this up me up at work as well. Yeah, it's true. I just been <laughs> sending messages cause you're actually, Mason, I miss you. Why are you coming? You're coming to Dallas, right? You're coming, right? You're coming to children. <laughs> Yeah. Hi, Joshua. We all got BFFs. It's okay. Yep. Yeah. That's well, true. And that's, and that's the funny thing. Is like, you know, Jacob, Jacob and I have like this, like we both have a unique connection to California. Like half my dad's family still lives in California. Like I have plenty of cousins in California. My wife's family's from California. And now I have this weird central point in Texas. It's like, I just go to Texas and then go to California and hang out with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, meanwhile, I like, have zero connection to California, but I've lived here for 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> no and family. That's no, I mean, I, obviously, I have friends that live here now. But well, that's what makes me laugh. Is like now sure. it's like okay, I could go to San Diego, 
I could drive through LA, want to kill myself, stop by see Mark, and then go all the way up to Stockton, and then still want to kill myself because Stockton is a <laughs> shithole. But it's not see my family. Your spirits but, too yeah, <laughs> I mean, to, to be to be a hundred percent honest, Mason says he wants to kill himself. I love every time I go to LA, and and it's and I don't I don't love the city because I never I'm never in the city part of it. But like I'm there, and I'm like, this is the warm dusty atmosphere that i love and because it reminds me of of where i grew up well to be fair like i've never been to la and if i was going with somebody who like there's a there's a netflix show it sounds like you guys are laying the ground for something here i think we might be brewing brewing a little exactly action exactly and there's there's a guy who uh somebody filled feed phil uh netflix um it's the guy who created Everybody Loves Raymond. He lives in LA and he does an episode about LA and they go to all these amazing eateries. And I'm like, Oh, there's so many amazing places to eat. Exactly. Back when we were allowed to eat outside at uh, places. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's that's the, the thing that days. kills me about like like my wife, because she's from California, doesn't like the big cities because she's not from she's from Stockton, which is not a very big city compared to California mm-hmm. standards. Virginia standards is a very large city. But like I'm like, but there are so many places to eat in Los Angeles. Yeah. There, there, there are there are so many cool people. You in could Los eat Angeles. somewhere amazing every day, literally every day, and yeah, for and your whole year, not, and you would not you would not need to double up at all. You and, would and you would want shop- to because you'd find a few you love yeah. so much. But and you could they're in a shopping center, like, and that's the that's the amazing thing about the free market, like how much it persists, even in right. like ground even zero for like the most status place you can be. Like, I think the only and uh, having in not many re- ways, the free market is the only thing that allows the status statism to continue because that's true they need they need to suck on what we produce and without us they they can't exist either (laughs) and that's that's the thing is like there are two places where like if you say this most status place in the united states new york city los angeles both of them have such amazing and vibrant food scenes and it's like and those people are generally like super like statist it's like hmm well, I mean, like, then that and that's kind of that's sort of you know with the food scenes or what. Like technically, Dallas has more um, more five star restaurants per capita than any other city in the country. But yeah, uh, it is. But it's well, it's very specific types of food. But yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a lot of Mexican food. And, oh, uh, fantastic food! <laughs> it, it is very good food. But like, I mean, like that, that. You know, we we always talk about that. This Mason is that like a lot of my favorite places to go is like Seattle. I love, I love, mm-hmm. San Francisco. I love San Francisco, even though it's full of like homeless people. San Francisco is like the one of the greatest yeah. cities. Like, it, 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 yeah, for and, a you know, city. Yeah, if you can yeah. put your politics aside and look away from a few things, yeah, it's exactly. incredible. Yeah. When there, there's a lot of places that are like that where like it is it is so hard you know mason and i talked about this on our show several times is it is really hard for me to put my politics aside and watch tv or movies yeah oh but yeah like food i can do it easy yeah, it, oh, yeah. exactly with food and like no travel problem. and like cities and stuff like that exactly. it's like like san francisco beautiful seattle as long as it's above you know nightfall when all the, like the hordes of homeless people move into the city like the the the, the like that's great um, even Dallas is, is a lot more liberal than it used to be. I'm sure I, I've only been here about two years, but like I talked to people who've been here for 10 or 15 years and they're like, yeah, all of California is moving here and it's turning into, you know, it turning into that. And it's like, it's a, people from the Bay area. I, I know like five or 10 people here from the Bay area. I actually know a very great libertarian here who's from the Bay area. And he was like, I couldn't stand the Bay area anymore. I got, I had to move to yeah. the I, 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 
I don't know if it's accurate, but I'm I don't like the argument that people say, oh, all the blue people from California are coming to Texas and, and this and that. And maybe it's true, but to me, the people it's that all are moving the- are probably people that are moving for the reasons we might sort of agree with them on. So they might yeah, be well, the best people you want to come the, in. It's the no no no. The problem is it's the purple people. It's the people who supported Obamacare, not thinking that it was destroying the economy. Right. But go like, yeah, you should be able to start a business as a African-American hair braider without any regulation. Mm-hmm. Like there shouldn't be weird Virginia laws. they're missing the disconnect. Yeah, they're yeah, missing yeah. the disconnect. So you're, you're getting a blue state right. because you're dumping a bunch of purple in. The diehards right. who like, yeah. like my cousin who's a b- huge Bernie supporter, I love him to death. Like he was going to come out and visit us. Like he's supposed to, he was supposed to be landing at midnight tonight. And like, I took, I literally have tomorrow off because my cousin was supposed to come in. Like he's a huge Bernie supporter and like, is like so blue. It's like, I guess like Royal blue. Like, I mean, like, you know, he's this <laughs> huge Bernie guy, Yeah, but like, he's never going to leave California. But you know what? Like, kind of be like a, literally his house could be on fire and he's like, I'm not leaving. And like, cause he, he, and to, for Mark, uh, do you know Swarthmore? I do not. Uh, so it was the first private college to like break a hundred thousand dollars per year. Um, so it's a town, it's like 45 minutes out of like Philadelphia or so like, and that's where his dad taught for like most of his life. He went to Caltech and he's never been back to the East coast since his dad's from California. They spent every year in Pinecrest in California, like up in like in the mountains, like he's as blue as they come. And it's like, yeah, he's not leaving California. It's the purple guys who are leaving. It's yeah. the moderate Democrats that are leaving. And then they're leaving in such masses. And then they go vote for like, but yeah, California should have a healthcare system like right. California. That's they're not still going to click the it. same box, but they might have slightly libertarian yeah. views yeah. on the ground. But, but, but they're voting for affect the national. But, but they're voting for Beto. Right. And it's like, right. Yeah. And this and, yeah, lunatic this. who's like a freaking like socialist yeah. nightmare. He's truly a lunatic. lunatic. Yeah. Well, you know, to to kind of like put like I, I try to like make things hopeful and and on a bright side is yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is it's one thing that like the people who are true blue or you know or or even true true red or crimson or whatever it is for the Republicans is that at, at we're at a point in America uh, where I truly think that people are realizing that they can't get along and that the best option is to split up. And I think that is a really great opportunity for libertarians. It's the Adam Kokesh option. That, it it is. It is yeah, I think it is the Adam Kokesh option. And I think it's Kokesh true. Button. Yeah. And so like my cousin and I, um, he grew up in LA, lives in Seattle currently. And uh, he is a, like, I would like say even more hardcore Bernie than Bernie almost. Like he is <laughs> a, like a nut, but I talk to him on a regular basis and he and I don't agree on very much at all, but the one thing that we agree on is that he and I cannot be ruled by the same person. See, and that's, uh, that's a I, great I place to get someone to, I mean, especially yeah, someone who would yeah. ever agree with you on the, the general philosophy. Right. But that that the, is the, maybe the best hope we have in some ways is to yeah. just get people to agree to localize and then we can yeah. do our own thing and move easily. If it's yeah. And, and he, and he does, he, he, he agrees with localization. Like I mean, there's a local flair. Like I say Seattle, but when I see Seattle, I actually mean Vashon and Vashon mm-hmm. is, is an Island, a rural Island off the coast of Seattle. Like Vashon has a flavor and I don't want the flavor to be interrupted. Like it is a flavor of like washed up hippies from the 1960s and 70s who are awesome. It's They're, it's basically the current libertarian. They never went through that communist 60s stage. Yeah. It's just like libertarians yeah. who were like, no, 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 no. I want you to smoke 
weed, screw as many hookers as you want, but uh, I'm not letting you take my property. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, ba- basically. And so, so just to kind of like, kind of put this in perspective. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm a Quaker. So when I was out on Vashon last time uh, for family camp, the family camp is Baptist, but I'm a Quaker. So I, I wanted to go to a Quaker meeting on the island. And it was the one of the greatest like hippie gatherings I had ever been to in my life. There's a bunch of people with like weird dreads, but then like also like yuppie, like they were yuppies, but they were like yuppies who had aged out of it. Like, so they were, they were actually yuppies in the eighties, but now they're like 70 and, uh, or, or however old yuppies would be at this point. But, uh, and like, it was like, it was in like a, it was in a a tiny house with like solar panels and like a garden and all that sort of stuff. And it wasn't like, so in a Quaker meeting, you sit in a circle and, you know, and that's like, when you sit in the circle, you're silent and you like talk to God that way. But, um, this was like the circle didn't fit because it was a tiny house. So it was like on like one side and like, was like oblong and like came around to the other <laughs> side. But like part of Quaker meeting is that like when the spirit touches you, you're allowed to like say what the, what, what God is telling you. And so like, they're like standing up and like saying these like wackadoo things. And I was like, this is why I want to be here. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so great. Like they're all so, they're so, they're so nuts, but they're also the nicest people. They're, they want to go out. They want, they're helping out like at soup kitchen. Like they're physically, they're not like going like, Hey, this is what we should do or whatever. They're, they're physically going and helping out at the, the soup they're, kitchen. They're the people who get arrested week after week, yeah. giving bread out to the homeless. Exactly. And, and then like, say like, like the real deal. And then they're the people who say the Pope is the Antichrist as they're being dragged <laughs> off. But like they, they've still yeah. fed 45 people before anybody realized yeah. what they were doing. Cause they're not yeah. out there going like, I'm feeding the homeless. Call yeah. the cops. They're just yeah, going exactly. like, Hey, they're, they're, yeah, are, are you down on your luck? Can I help you? I, I have a sandwich and I'd like right. you to have it. And here's a, here's a clean bottle of water and here's a, a piece of fruit. And they're yeah. like, they get to 45 people and then it's suddenly some busybody who calls on them. And it's not like, you know, your cousin who I really, really want to meet where it's like, yeah, he's a cool dude. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're Jack. Like he's like Antifa without being Antifa where it's like, he's helping out, but he's shouting about it the entire time. Yeah. Well, imagine, imagine like a video game version of Vagabond Seth. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Uh, so, who's, who's another one of our classic people we reference who literally just went, yeah, the, the world doesn't work for me. I'm literally just going to go hike the Appalachian Trail and I'm never coming back to society. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> somehow we like Jacob and I, who like for a while there were like super statist, but like super statist libertarians where it's like, we're still going to elect the next president. And this guy who's like, yeah, I was doing a bunch of LSD walking down the railroad tracks last night. And, uh, I had this epiphany. I don't believe in anything other than that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. And then you just like dipped out. I mean, like the thing is like, you know, Mason and I, well, I'm the type of person who like jumps full, like two feet into things once I learn about it. So like, that's why Childerberg exists. That, that Exactly. That's why Childerberg exists. That's why like I made enough uh, DMT for like three years in like yeah. one go and like did DMT for like a month every wow. day. And then yeah. uh, like As someone who may or may not have done it for five minutes, a month seems like a lot. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, like yeah, every so, day, every day for a month. <laughs> well, so, and th- but this is that, the funny thing like about <laughs> this is the it funny was, thing about us. From is what like, I've read, it's pretty intense. 
well, this is this is the funny thing about like us is like Jacob's like, okay, I've done it and I've blasted off and I can't get a you know, like I've I've gone away and I'm like, there wasn't enough. I yeah. need more of it. It's not working. <laughs> like I didn't have this experience. So I'm like, how do I sit on my porch and just do a bunch of this? I feel like Wait, we're getting some... into the realm of of major of a major potential bonus content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, to... I mean, and that's a that's. Yeah, if, I mean, you, if you want to, you want to go to DMT for bonus content because I I've got I've oh got, yeah I've got DMT experiences for years. Oh yeah, we've we've got some like we've got we've got two at least the one where Jacob stopped and the one where I was like, Oh wait, this is all just me pretending it's happening. And like, <laughs> and then trying to tr- chase it for the rest of the time. Cause like, well, why don't, why don't we wind down the main it. show? Yeah. Take a, okay. take a little break for a second and then I'll, I'll come back to you. I've, I've got yeah. dinner, dinner brewing in the other room. So let's see, okay. maybe we could do it. Yeah. Like let, let me, let me but, run, let me run and get another drink real quick. Well, and then well, and we can do that. I, I do want to give you guys a chance to officially sign off in a sense sure. of, of this main body of the show. Oh, we we give everybody the, sign off. We give everybody the roundup, just the, the roundabout of, of everything you guys, uh, everywhere that can find tasting anarchy and Childerberg info and all, all those, you know, all those sure, check, sure. So, bo- check, checking the box things. Yeah. So you can find us on pretty much every podcaster on Tasting Anarchy. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, which is mainly Jacob, um, Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. You can follow our libertarian event in the South, as we like to say it, um, on Childerberg, on Childerberg on Twitter, Childerberg.com, TastingAnarchy.com. You can send us an email at TastingAnarchy at gmail.com. And basically, if you hashtag or go on Reddit and Childerberg, our tasting anarchy will find you. So that's right. That was that was an incredible summary, my friends. Yeah. So, gentlemen, keep up the great work. Keep on roaring. And uh, if you're interested in hearing more, perhaps tune in to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Lions Liberty for a little bit more. Which which Mason and I are Patreons on that. So if the content is worth it. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jake and Mason from Tasting Anarchy as much as I did. I highly recommend checking out their show. As you can tell, they're fun-loving guys, uh, great libertarians, and they're a real blast to uh, to hang out with, a real blast to listen to. So, And if you like wine or you don't like wine, it doesn't really matter because you learn so much about the, the you know how the state interacts uh, with the alcohol industry. I've learned so many little things that I, I never even thought about when it comes to that stuff, and you learn a lot about wines. So it's fun to listen to. Check it out. Tasting Anarchy, as they mentioned, the bonus content we have in uh, the lions of liberty pride on patreon at patreon.com slash lions of liberty it is plentiful it is a plenty it keeps on coming uh, and we had so much fun doing this show that we decided to keep going ourselves for a bonus segment as you referenced there we went for almost another hour so uh that is on our patreon right now for our five dollar and up subscribers i of course must remind you that 10 percent of all of our patreon proceedings for at least march and april quite possibly longer than that that will be going to help donor see and their fight to help people who are being affected by coronavirus by all the lockdowns and shutdowns all around the world in the poorest countries in the world and uh, i'm gonna have an update a little bit later on today with greg glyer from donor see about the two projects that we were able to help finish funding uh for lions of liberty we were able to close those projects out so the lions of liberty pride uh their money directly went to help people around the world i'm 
so proud we're able to do this, able to work with a great organization like DonorC uh, to help people. It's really um, volunteerism, truly in action. And I'm so proud to be a part of just helping people in little ways, helping people that really, truly, truly need the help. I mean, we think our lives are inconvenient right now. Uh, imagine uh, being in a, a small village in Malawi. I mean, if they get hit by this coronavirus, um, it's it, the, the, the effects are just like 10 times worse, exponentially worse because of ha- what a, you know, what little infrastructure they already have to deal with even normal things, even things we take for granted. Uh, so please do ch- check out all of uh, DonorSea's work and projects they're funding with coronavirus over at DonorSea.com slash coronavirus. Stay tuned a little later on today for an update with myself and Gret Glier on the projects we were able to help fund. And of course, again, please do check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. If you are new here, uh, we do have three shows per week, although lately we've had more because I'm on lockdown here in California. I'm doing a bunch more content uh, than I have before. I've been doing a bunch of live streams, did one with Mikel Thorup last week, uh, as well as Matt Erickson from Wealth, Power, and Influence with Jason Stapleton. Had a great time doing those. I have a couple more coming this week, uh, including with our friend Raylene Lightheart from Blastoff. So stay tuned to the Lions of Liberty Facebook page. That's at facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. Uh, I'm doing a lot of those live streams. I'm just bringing people on uh, with very little plan and just talking about what's going on with coronavirus, the lockdowns, all the effects that we've seen out there. So stay tuned for all of that stuff and stay tuned to this feed for some extra shows because I will, of course, publish all of that stuff in podcast form as well. But besides me, besides me yapping here every single Monday and whenever else I decide to put another show up, we've got Brian McWilliams slapping you upside the head every single Wednesday with his special brand of comedy, culture, and liberty on Electric Liberty Land, while John Odie Odermatt wraps things up with his always inspiring look at the broken criminal justice system every single Friday on Felony Friday. You just got to hit that subscribe button while you're there. Maybe leave us a five-star rating and a great review if you like. It, it still helps. It still always helps to have more of those reviews. You can never have too many. iTunes is still the hub. So if you can get over there, even if that's not where you listen, if you can leave us a five-star rating and a great review, we always do appreciate it. We are constantly growing, constantly getting bigger, and it is thanks to you guys spreading the word uh, through word of mouth has always been the main way that this show has grown. And ain't no coronavirus going to hold us down. In fact, it's actually freed me up to do even more content. So that's what you're getting. So continue to keep your eye on that Lions of Liberty feed. And until next time, my friends, live long and live free.